Hello, welcome to the High Hops Podcast with your host, Bradley Y. With me as always, homebrewing guru. Oh man, stop. Phoebe Ward. Now this is our kind of... Bonus episode. Com- yeah, companion episode to the uh, beer. The beer? The I episode mean, we yeah. did last week where we spoke to YCH about their hops. And if you haven't listened to that, we highly recommend you do if you want to know more about them or just about hops in general. So I think it's a very good eye-opening episode for things you may not have even known you wanted to know about hops. Lupulin. But we thought we would follow that up this week, Phoebe, with what? Um, well, as we mentioned, with the samples that we got from uh, Yakima, we, uh, well, Sam was like, give them to me. Mm. So he got them, the rest of them, and he has done a homebrew with them. Originally we said no, and then he was like, I'll give you free beer. And then we were like, well, absolutely, we'll give you those hops in that case. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> no, he just had to look at me with big puppy dog eyes, and I was like... Do you want the hops? Yes. So, uh, yes, he has brewed with said hops, and he talked about his experience brewing with uh, Yukima's hops. We'll be back in a second with that interview. I mean, we don't need to do an introduction. <laughs> do one as I'm a home brewer rather than that's a beer shop. Yeah, do <laughs> it. Go for it. Just, yeah, go on then. Hi, I'm Sam Condon, and I'm a home brewer. <laughs> Well, we've never had you on before, so this is totally new for no, everyone involved. It's an honour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so obviously this is going to be part of our um, hop kind of episode series. I don't know how many parts we're going to be putting it in yet. Yeah. Um, so the hops that we uh, kind of did with Yakima Chief, the little samples that we got, mm. uh, we then gave the rest to you, Sam, Uh as yeah. you're very excited about. And <laughs> you're just like, yeah, I'll have them. Well, do we want to explain what, why, from a home brewer perspective, why are they so excited for you outside of, uh, you know, obviously we, we've probably covered it a bit in the episode, but why for you are they, is this so great to get your hands on? So the hops I tend to get, I'm not entirely sure uh, the processing prior to it getting to me, but basically they're vacuum sealed in 100 gram packs. And I assume they're bought in bulk by the homebrewing company and then broken up and then resealed, re-vacuumed into smaller packs. Right. Um, so I, I don't know the quality. It's probably worth asking the homebrew company what the quality of the difference in quality, but the fact these came directly from Yakima Valley Hop, which all are like top-end British home uh, professional brewers use. Mm. I was pretty excited to have those and to yeah. see what I like, especially uh, cryo hops because mm. they do sometimes come on the homebrew market in the UK, but very rarely. And like you've literally just got you've got like it's like the the hype the hype beer coming out, mm. cryo hops come out, they're gone within minutes. I hope right. if they do come out. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, was, I was that pretty was excited funny. to see what they were like. <laughs> yeah, I remember it was like yeah. you, you're only uh, you're only smelling the hops, aren't you? And I was just like, "Do you <laughs> yeah. want them?" <laughs> so yeah, you you have brewed with the uh, with all of the hops, right? You used them all, didn't you? Yeah, I used them all because it's it was a decent amount to make an IPA. Mm. Yeah, cool. it was it was a good amount and it worked out all right in the end. So. Uh, yes, it did. Uh, so, did you want to talk through uh, your thinking of how, like, how you were going to brew? Because obviously, you were thinking, "Oh, that's enough for you know just uh, IPA." Um, so, yeah, what was your thinking, and then what was the process? 
And also, what style did you decide to mm. go for and why? Yeah. Well, um, so I decided, so when, when I first, so I've only been home brewing since February 18. Um, so weirdly, I'd, I'd done four commercial um, brew days, like collab days before that, with four different breweries. And each time I was just like shitting myself around everything because it was too hot or like dangerous acids being used and a lot of gloves and wellies being involved. But it got to a point where I was like, well, pretty much no styles and breweries and all that now, but I'm going to these brew days or people are making beers for us and I don't know the full process. So I thought, oh, I'll just do homebrew for that. So it was literally to learn, like get more information about it rather than anything else. But I was intrigued, as everyone is, by the New England style um, and how well you can replicate that on a homebrew level. Uh, It's very obvious from an early, early days, like two years ago, that to make a good New England IPA, oxygen is your enemy, and it's very difficult in a homebrew setting to do that well. However, um, what I've recently, well, the last six months or so I've been playing with is... um, fermenting in a keg mm-hmm. um and basically what i've done with the keg is the tube that takes the beer out of there when you're drinking it i've chopped the bottom bit off so it's like an extra like i don't know uh 20 30 centimeters at the bottom where the, the beer won't get sucked out mm. uh, when when you put it under pressure um so that's where the yeast would sit and all the like if you if you chill down the beer after fermentation all of the debris and that will fall down there so you'll actually get quite a well finished beer off of it mm. but if you ferment in keg what you can also do is do what's called pressure fermentation um so pressure fermentation allows you to ferment at any temperature you can be you don't have to worry about temperature control which is a very important bit of brewing um you can basically just put what this this thing called a spunding valve which I can't show you because I've just brewed and I'm, it's on my next beer. <laughs> so, um, but basically a spunding valve, which is a, um, you put it on the sort of the non-tube connector in, in the in the keg, which is where the gas gets pushed onto the beer. So that's just literally just a, an open port which you click into and then it pushes the gas on top of the beer and then obviously the tube at the bottom pushes the beer out to drink. Mm. So... Um, you put it on there and what, what it allows you to do is control what pressure you want to be in the keg um, and like the optimum PSI is about 10 or 12 PSI um, and what that allows it to do is during fermentation the yeast uh, produces uh, CO2 and that CO2 obviously normally on a homebrew like scale you get your bubbling airlock thing going mm. uh, bubbling away um, in this, all you get is a hissing of CO2 coming out for a, for a period of time um, until it's sat at that pressure. Um, but that, what that pressure does, it allows you to ferment any temperature. Ideally, you want to keep it quite warm, though, because the warmer it is, the quicker it will ferment. Um, but it also, because it's under pressure, it stops any of those sort of potential off flavours that you get from a hot fermentation. Mm. Um, but the main thing it does for hoppy beers is it means all the hot character is living in that keg. Um, so literally what I did, once I did the fermentation for dry hopping, which is what I, I did two things with the hops, which I explained, but dry hopping, what I do is I move the beer from that keg to another keg 
and then it's a bit of a born out process. It's a bit of a long process, really. It's probably a better way of doing it, but I transfer it to one keg under pressure, which is fully full of CO2. So it's going closed transfer from a CO2 environment to another CO2 environment. I then clean out that keg where I've shortened the line, um, clean it all out and put the hops in there, and then transfer the beer back into that keg. Because then if there's any um, matter from the hops, especially with cryo, I didn't know if it was going to leave any sort of debris in there. Mm. Um, it meant that, that because that tube wasn't all the way down to the bottom again, I was getting a clean beer when I was bottling it. Um, but yeah, so I, I did a pressure fermented New England IPA. <laughs> yeah and uh yes, it's, it's it's very good yeah we uh we have had the pleasure of uh having a couple of bottles and uh <laughs> and other people as well who've had it have just just loved it because it is just super awesome and it you is, can i'm really really happy with it mm, yeah no it's lush so yeah. how was your experience with the cryo part of the cryo hops yeah so the challenge i had I have of it is so the cryo are basically like uber concentrated version of the normal pellets that I use. So the the obvious thing on the packet was the fact that the alpha acids, which can if you use them when the beer the, the wort is still hot, can produce a lot of bitterness. Mm. So I didn't want to use them um, anywhere near any heat. So I used them for just for the dry hopping. Um, because yeah, I did, I've never used them before, so I thought, oh, if I if I stay away from any sort of temperature with them, then I know all I'm going to get is aroma mm. uh, and flavour from them, and no bitterness. Um, but yeah, easily enough. They, they look like pellets; they're easy to deal with. Um, they smell amazing. Mm. Um, it's the first time I've done a sabro beer as well, so you, you gave me some sabro pellets as well. Um, so there was two hopping hopping stages I did, so I didn't do any like real bitterness hops. Um, well, I know some breweries do, a lot of breweries do. Some breweries, I don't think, do much better in hops at all. Like Verdant, literally chucking grams, mm. you know, uh, to, to do the bittering, I believe. Mm. Um, so I did what's called a whirlpool. So it's a um, hopping technique, which you do, you basically, after you boil, you drop down the temperature of the beer, the, the wort, uh, down to below 80 degrees. And that's supposedly where... 80 degrees and above is where alpha acids have turned into bitterness mm -hmm. in the process. Um, so if you drop it below 80, you, you shouldn't be getting the bitterness. I tend to drop mine down again to 70 degrees just to be on the safe side because, you know, it's a home brewing kit. You, you never know. Mm. Um, so, yeah. And then at, at that point, I use a grain father. So grain father has got this really good uh, paddle, like four-way paddle, um, which is attachable to a drill. <laughs> so I can literally put this drill into the into the, the wart and give it some give it some for a couple of minutes to create this whirlpool mm. and then I drop the hops in. So yeah, I dropped let me get the let me get the recipe up. Sure. It's easier to do whirlpool on a home brew than it is for some breweries. You know, because a lot of a lot of professional kits aren't geared up necessarily for that sort of process. Mm. Yeah. So like Go on. I was going to say also size surely must play a massive yeah. factor into it. Like you're, like you said, you can do it with a drill, <laughs> but obviously you're doing it on a, you know, thing that's smaller than a person, whereas those guys are, are brewing in massive vats. So what I think what tends to happen on a professional scale for, uh, is they have like further down in their 
kettle in their tank. Mm. Um, they have a like a in and out sort of mm. tubing system which shoots it at an angle like sideways. Yeah. And then you basically recirculate the water around, so it's it's coming back in through that, and then creating the whirlpool like that because it's shooting around the side of the vessel. Yeah, yeah. Um, but obviously, that's a, a more modern te- technique of doing it. Uh, Rome, who I was brewing with last week, uh, uses a paddle, um, right, on his kit at the minute. Um, so he gets like a, a very basic whirlpool going. Um, I'm sure if he if he could get a giant drill and a giant paddle, I'm sure he'd be doing what I'm doing. <laughs> I, think, I know, I know. When we had um, pipeline on, yeah. they spoke about their way of of doing it, and his he his basically kit. said that, didn't he? he yeah, said, it's, it's yeah. similar to what you were saying with the with the first method. Yeah, yeah. I think that's how most use it. Obviously, you know, uh, the higher up in the sort of food chain you go, and the ones with a bit more disposable money have mm. uh, proper hopping. Uh, techniques and tech, you know, their, their kit is designed for those sort of hopping, more modern hopping techniques. Mm. But yeah, in terms of hops, I use so I used so you gave me sort of like so the packet said 54 grams for the pellets mm-hmm. and 25 grams for the, the cryo. Mm. So I used the Sabro and Simcoe pellets uh, in a whirlpool. So I used 100 grams, uh, 50 grams of each. So it was 100 grams. And basically what I did is, as I said, I dropped it down to 70 degrees and then whirlpooled it, which I tend to just let it go for about, the drill go for about two or three minutes to really get a whirlpool going. Mm. And then I drop the hops in and then you wait for like 30 minutes just to let the hop character get into that beer. Mm. Um, and then transfer it to my keg to ferment. So I fermented it with Kvake yeast, mm-hmm. which is, again, another, it's so quick. It actually, it actually caught me out on this beer. Um, <laughs> it fermented in like 36 hours. Um, so, yeah, the, the beer was pretty much ready to go in the space of three days, really. Mm. And in comparison, so you said 36 hours, like how, off, how, how long would you be expecting it to normally do on a slower? On a slower yeast, you're talking, so the, again, the advantage of what I was doing with pressure fermentation is obviously because it's under pressure of CO2 for, for that whole process it naturally carbonates. Mm. So a lot of, I think that's part of the reason why the technique was developed in the professional world was, you know, it's, it's free CO2. So mm. you're not spending as much money on the actual finished product because it's already carbonated for you. Right. Um, so if you're doing the normal like airlock sort of bubbling away sort of thing, then you've also got to condition it a bit more on CO2 mm. um, or bottle condition it, you know, put yeast and more sugar in the bottles and then let it sit in a bottle uh, to re-ferment to get the CO2. Uh, so you're talking like a couple of weeks at least, really. Right. So it, it cuts it down so much. Wow, yeah, yeah. that's surprised very quick in, in comparison to two weeks. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's why people have moved to like not only like pressure fermentation, but Kuwait uh, yeast. I mean, Kuwait mm. yeast is so quick to ferment. So in the normal airlock scenario, I had an imperial stout ferment in like two days. Mm-hmm. Um with Quake, um, mm. you've got obviously fermenting at a warmer temperature, um, and then keeping that temperature is always a challenge. I had a, I put a jacket around my fermenter, and then I had a hair dryer, <laughs> yeah. uh, and every now and then I just walk past and give it a burst with the hair dryer just to keep it warm <laughs> between the, the jacket and the fermenter, just to keep it going. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was really quick as well. Um, just imagining it with like a little, what are they called? Those like. 
Is it a gilet? Gilet, yeah. <laughs> Just imagine it with a little puffy gilet on. Well, it's basically got the, obviously internal coatings that sort of um, shiny silver stuff yeah. that marathon runners get at the end of a run, and then yeah, then it's all padding. With a zip. So it is like a, it is like a gilet, yeah. Oh, that's kind of cute. Did you like forget and like walk in sometimes, and you thought there was like a small child? Because <laughs> I would. <laughs> like shit. <laughs> Awesome. Um, you can definitely. I can taste the the sabro quite a quite a bit in mm. this. I think the sabro is pretty. It it's there. It that's the for show. sure. Yeah, it does. But like at the same time, it's the others are like. I don't want to say the word complimenting. Uh, I want to say, think Phoebe, you've been reading. Um, like, what's the other word for like harmonizing? That is a good word, but. There's other words. Yeah. Harmonizing is good. Yeah. They harmonize. They sing together like a choir. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. But Sounds yeah, like I mean, like, Sabra was such a um, distinctive hop. Mm. Um, it was good to, so I'd never used Idaho 7 before either. Mm. Um, I'd use Simcoe, but those three hops together are a really good combo, I think, anyway, because like Simcoe's that sort of more classic. Uh, used to be quite popular in the west coast but it gives you that sort of earthy piney character characteristic to it mm. uh has got that crazy sort of tropical lime um some people get coconut i don't get coconut um but um and then idaho sevens that full on like tropical mm. one as well yeah um, yeah so i think the three were working together they're they're very they're different types of hop mm. they have different sort of like flavor profiles i think the three together definitely made it yeah yeah for sure uh, but i've got all of these hops in pellet now uh, from my normal homebrew source so i will be rebrewing again um, the only challenge at the minute is to the moat um mm. i've run out of oats which is why i brewed a, a west coast pale today um because <laughs> uh yeah i've run out of oats and because of lockdown too everyone's gone crazy for ordering online again um <laughs> So there's like a three day wait on a on on milk, and you've got to order it at a certain time of day just to get it right. Um, um, yeah. How much do you order in? Do you get like one of those huge packs that you tend no. to see? No, so I get I order it per recipe I want to do because um, obviously if you get a big bag or something, then you're having to reseal it all the time. Mm. Mm. So I like the idea of it being crushed by the 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 homebrew company and then ready basically ready to go um as much as possible um mm. the problem is if you order it on a big bag you've got to store it somewhere as well that's true mm. <laughs> but don't mind working hops are easier i've got a, a freezer full of hops <laughs> <laughs> I've got enough hops to make about another 10 beers <laughs> <laughs> uh, my yeast is starting to get a bit shorter now um i know a lot of homebrewers do um Recultivate their yeast like professional brewers do. Mm. Um, I've not gone down that route yet. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, some people do homebrew. People do homebrew for a load of reasons. Um, some are just to you know do the the very simple uh, malt extract kits just to have cheap beer. You know, mm. yeah. Um, I mine was never a money related thing. It was always about learning the processes and just getting a better knowledge. So when I do do a like a collab brew day with someone yeah not just the idiot in the corner just 
<laughs> and occasionally doing a little bit of manual labour. Yeah. <laughs> I'm involved in the conversation, which is nice, even if I'm not, you know, as nowhere near as knowledgeable as the actual professionals doing it. At least I now know what they're talking about. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. true. They're just there chatting away. <laughs> like, I don't know what they're saying, but beer, yay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Uh, what um, what mould did you say? Was this Golden Promise you said in this one? No, it's, it's a really simple uh, recipe. So it's Marisotta. Marisotta, was it? Yeah, uh, which is like, so an easier way to explain it to people is like percentages because then depend on how much you want to brew. Mm. So it's like just over 70% Marisotta and then like 14 to 15% oats and 14 to 15% wheat. Oh, cool. Um, it's a very clean, like simple milk bill. Um, and then, yeah, I used the, the, the Kuwait yeast. And then, so this beer is the second one I've made, which I've called, um, Bohess. Yeah. Um, so one of the biggest things about these, uh, style of beers is the water chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, and Plymouth has got a very, well, the Southwest in like, Devon and Cornwall has got a very simple, uh, like clean water sort of chemistry. So you can build on it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what you want to do, like, I know Verdant have talked about it on a, a couple of podcasts and that as well, is um, you want to increase uh, the, the, the chloride. Uh, so you use calcium chloride. Mm hmm. Uh, which is basically like little, it's almost like um, you know, like rock soap sort of thing, like sea soap, sort of like granules like that. Mm. Um, and you use like I use like eleven grams for my twenty odd be uh, twenty odd liter batch, um, and then I also use uh, what's called gypsum. So gypsum's more common in uh, the bitter, like getting bitterness out of beer, mm. um, and it's why. Um, Burton upon Trent was such a famous brewing place. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they um, naturally have gypsum in, in their water chemistry. Um, so they were like, well, they were the epicenter of brewing for, for a century, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. no one knew, no one knew why. No, yeah, <laughs> it's mag- water magical water they didn't know about. Yeah. But yeah, because Plymouth Water's got hardly any of, any of either of those, I put a little bit of gypsum in just to bring it up as well. A very little bit mm. um but yeah no um, so yeah bo Hess was basically uh the name is uh, a character from the film signs mm. um which is mel gibson yeah uh, film uh, about uh, aliens coming and it's like uh, obviously like crop circles and all that <laughs> but the, the his daughter's called bo Hess, um mm. and she's obsessed with uh water um <laughs> So it's like in the film, it's loads of glasses of water everywhere in the house. Um, and so I thought it was quite nice to call it that because um, it's all about the water chemistry for starters to make these sort of beers. Mm. But also um, my wife, Katie, when she is, uh, <laughs> when I'm when I'm brewing, I take over the kitchen tap. Um, so she tends to fill up four or five pints of water <laughs> and then go to somewhere else in the house and survive on that. She never, never drinks five or six yeah. five <laughs> I don't know how long she thinks I'm going to be brewing. I'm only brewing for like five or six hours at most. But uh, yeah, she takes a load of water with her. So I just thought it was a good double <laughs> a double naming sort of thing to call it Bo Hess. Oh. Um, 
That is good. Yeah. I like it. And this yeah. is Bo Hess 2. What was the first one? I know I've had it. Yeah, it was it was um, similar except for the um, – what did I change up? I changed I changed the milk bill a little bit. So the water chemistry is exactly the same. Uh, but the milk bill, I had a little bit of – it was just citra as well. I just used citra in it. Um, right. Uh, it was single hopped, but it had a little bit of. Come on, where are you? It's a problem going through your list of what my. <laughs> so I use the grain father. So there's better apps out there, but I use the grain father one to like loosely do recipes, mm. just because that's how I started doing them. Um, and the amount of beers I've made, like made recipes for that I've never actually made. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, basically it's a nightmare to try and find yeah I added carapils so um, which a little bit of that was just adds a bit more like colour to it I I was just playing around with like that sort of more orangey sort of colour beer rather mm. than yellow um, I like the sort of uh, sort of colour that gives you um, but yeah I just used citra last time really simple mm. But other night it was all all exactly the same process. Mm. And that one went um, down well as well, it seems, from the, yeah, it was uh, good, yeah. the comments. Um, probably, I'm trying to think if I pressure fermented that one, though. I probably didn't pressure ferment it. Um, I'm definitely now moving away from, so I've got a grain father fermenter, which I'm going to use only for non, like non-hoppy beers. Mm. Mm. Um, so imperial stouts or like anything darker or, like a red ale maybe or, or like a belgian beer yeah or something funky and sour um and then i'll just use this this keg system for any anything hoppy just to completely eliminate the oxygen um mm. yeah awesome yeah <laughs> yeah well we're, it's it's very very nice oh so, yeah yeah uh ev- yeah everyone's been saying that they're just like oh that's good so yeah, I mean, I, have you got any more questions? Because you literally like answered my questions as you went down, which is awesome. I like it when I don't have to say anything. <laughs> no, I'm good. I think I think uh, the, the clear thing from this though, and like it's kind of the same in this. This is how I'm relating it to my world. Is you know, just because these are really good hops, there's still a good amount of process that has to go into it. Like, so I take that in terms of just because it's a really good camera, you can't just pick it up and get the best results from it. And I'd say that's the same with yeah. what I'm learning from here. Is like okay, these are really good hops, but you can't just expect fantastic beer. So it's interesting to hear about how you've kind of gotten to this process. Like, I think you said this is one of the best beers you, um, you've you done. Mm, definitely. But, yeah, that's because you, but that's partly because they're really good hops, but also because you've built up to this point, essentially. Exactly. It's perfect timing, actually, in terms of where I was making these sort of hazy New Englands mm. and, yeah. Nagging you for the hops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Read your mind. Uh, yeah. But yeah, the only other one that's really blown me away is that sour I did. Um, yeah. Um, which was an accident. Um, but yeah, I'll do that again at some point. That was oh, yeah. very good. Yeah. That was with the Philly sour. Philly. Yeah. 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 yeah well, that's a really interesting yeast that now produces lactic acid during its normal fermentation. So there's no, I mean, commercial brews are definitely going to be using it mm-hmm. um so any beer where the term kettle sour is used i can't see them doing kettle sours anymore mm. really um because the issue with kettle sours is um you have to have the 
kettle going at like 35 to 40 degrees Celsius for 36 hours before you finish a, finish a beer off. So you're delaying access to your brewing equipment for mm. almost two days. Mm. Where this one, you just do a normal brew and then you the the sourness happens in the fermenter without any sort of risk of infection. Mm. Um, so yeah, everyone will be using this, I'm sure. Yeah, it just makes so much sense. And like as I said, I've done a went up and did a little uh, like brew day collab with Roman. We've we've just used Philly sour. So yeah, you said they were really nervous about using it. <laughs> well, yeah, I can understand from a commercial perspective. If you've got like five or six fermenters there with beer in, and you're used to like. Uh, sourness coming from something uh, aggressive and wild or you know a bit more uh, untamed mm-hmm. um to to be yeah using a a normal yeast that does it as well is like a weird concept yeah. and yeah very scary for people yeah <laughs> so right on a home scale if it goes wrong i just throw it away you know yeah that's yeah. It, yeah well hopefully we'll be actually speaking to lalaman about that Thank you very much for Sam to come and chat with us. Uh, hope you, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, yeah, we hope to be doing more episodes about all of the beer ingredients a little bit more in depth like this. And we probably will do follow-up episodes where mm-hmm. we chat to a home brewer, may not be Sam, maybe someone else, uh, about what it's like using that specific product, um, that that you know high quality items so i think this has kind of set a high bar that we've got to follow Just up now bit, with yeah. other well-known manufacturers of beer stuff they don't have to be well known it's an just art. high quality just high quality high quality episodes well that's all down to you so. yeah but uh yes thank you very much as always uh sam didn't mention it but um obviously he's from vessel so yep. they are open uh, during this lockdown and beyond? Well, they're open as a shop on Saturdays, but otherwise With they're you. Doing... With me, I'm there on Saturdays. Um, yeah. But otherwise it's deliveries and... Yeah, he's doing same day now if you order before two o'clock. Brilliant. But yeah, thank you very much, Sam. We look forward to having you back on again in future. Because you probably will come on exactly. again. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much for listening. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can follow Phoebe on Untapped. Mm-hmm where you can hear her breathe very heavily into the microphone. I can't hear me breathing into the <laughs> microphone, I'm sorry. You can find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Google Play, CastBox, <laughs> where the good podcasts are. And you can email us. At hellohighhops at gmail.com. With and you can also anything. contact us at all the other locations I mentioned. Yes, you can. Recommend us to a friend. Yeah, recommend, rate, uh, all that stuff. Um... Just let us know what you think and what, you, what you've what you been enjoying, what you haven't been enjoying. Very true. We, What's been your beers of the year? Yeah, that's a tough question. What have been your duds of the year? I find beer of the year is very hard. I can give you brewery, potentially, yeah. that has done well, but to rack my brain and go back for one specific beer that trumps all the other beers, I don't think I can do that. I don't think I can either. But there have anyway, been many. We'll have... I guess I think we're, we're probably going to do another three episodes, four episodes of 2020, and then we're going to kind of have a little Christmas break. Have a Christmas break uh, where we'll probably drink a lot of beer and then come back strong in 2021. At some point, we will hear Phoebe continuing to breathe into the microphone. That was a laugh. 
Well, was it? Anyway, thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Hi. Jeez. <laughs>